but it is a, a product for a lifestyle circumstantial use, which we hope gives women um, more freedom. A lot of women ultimately end up resorting to surgeries um, just from the embarrassment and working out at a gym. Um, lots of women end up deciding not to work out as much publicly. Um, and on average, it takes about six years for a woman to confess this to her physicians. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and investors shaping the future of health. I'm your host, Logan Plaster, Editor-in-Chief here at Startup Health. The other day, I was talking to one of our top investors in health technology, and I asked her to what degree big investors drive the market to change. Does the writing of big checks direct the ship, or do big investors merely track behind what's already happening in the market? What she told me really stuck with me. She said it's the entrepreneurs who educate the market. They've done the hard boots on the ground work to understand the pain points and the customers and the financial drivers. My guest today, Evie Heilbrunn, CEO of Privy, embodies this particularly well. Privy, which joined Startup Health in 2020, is the maker of Finesse, the first new technology to address women's bladder concerns in decades. Because she's tackling a stigmatized area of women's health, one that's been swept to the side for a long time, Evie has had to do her research and educate the market. But by doing so, she's showing retailers like Target, where Finesse is now on the shelf, that women's health products were in need of an upgrade and that we're on the cusp of a whole new way of thinking about the women's health aisle. I hope you enjoy the interview. All right, Evie Heilbrunn, CEO of Privy. Great to have you on the show. Great to uh, learn more about what you're building and really your, your trajectory with your company. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I want to start just with who you are. Tell me a bit about your story, kind of how you got into women's health and into just the startup, the startup world. Kind of how'd you get there? Sure. So I start the story early um, in that I'm the daughter of two subspecialists. My uh, parents, uh, my father is still a practicing interventional cardiologist. My mother um, was a nephrologist, uh, kidney specialist, and I grew up really in a dinner table in the 1990s of two private practicing physicians in Pittsburgh um, dealing with this movement from uh, fee-for-service to value-based care into the 2000s and watching as um, you know massive takeovers of payers coming in and sort of replacing um, the model that really has been the staple of uh, American medicine um, in terms of private practicing and, and sort of an independence um, and from that, um, I went to Penn and ended up spending um, several years uncovering the history um, of the first black doctor to graduate from the university, who was a gynecologist in the late 1800s. Hmm. Uh, and I say that to start that story because both of those early experiences were fundamental for me in terms of providing lenses into changes in American medicine, um, how diversity plays a role. Um, and, and so forth. And so from there, really spent the last 10 years in, in digital health publishing. I had a variety of publishers on the consumer and the provider or healthcare professional side uh, at the intersection of product development and uh, audience growth. And through those experiences was able to really focus on um, questions about what, what it takes to create a digital product um, for user consumption, either for a patient or a doctor. Um, and it was a really interesting experience that culminated in my last role at Meredith being um, the 
the digital GM for the health and parenting vertical there. Okay, um, okay. A bit less. Interesting. Meredith has 100 million women um, and are the largest publisher. And so that really sort of shone a light um, on the magnitude of um, activation across so many verticals in women's health. Of course, um, really turned my focus to the healthcare vertical there. Um, and after making an investment in a pelvic health company uh, earlier this, this year, I ended up getting connected to the founder of Privy. Um, and that's sort of the early history of how I got here. Did you feel, it's interesting, you, so around the dinner table with your parents, uh, academically studying kind of what needs to change in the system, did you feel like it was important for you to move into a, a commercial product um, in order to kind of move that change forward, kind of take that next step in the process? It had always been a dream of mine to <clears throat> um, be able to contribute in a really big way um, to a lot of the issues in healthcare, which frankly, they, they take their long cycles and, and they, they take a lot of time. CPG not um, excluded from that category, but just thinking about markets that move extremely slowly um, for a variety of reasons, um, the provider market, hospital systems, et cetera, um, understanding um, that the real impact is being able to give someone something they take home through an aisle is the sort of the, the gold standard, I think, of, of impact. Um, in terms of just seeing that on a day-to-day -day basis, but that isn't to say some of these larger initiatives in terms of healthcare transparency with CMS data, for example, aren't so critical. So it was very exciting to me to be able to join a company that's doing that on the aisle. Yeah. Um, I think that when you, you talk to people that run the largest personal women's health brands and have the largest reach, you know, the gold, the gold mecca of, of these types of, businesses is to have products that people use multiple times a week. And so um, in any category, that's kind of the gold standard. So I always dreamed of being in a business of having that kind of volume impact because it can just more quickly facilitate the yeah. next dimension. Um, yeah. let, let's dig into Privy then. It must have been an awesome product and company to pull you away from Meredith where you were having a pretty big impact already. I think that the pandemic changed a lot of us in the sense of, you know, sort of pulling back for a second and thinking about sort of everything, right? Um, and so, so two things crystallized for me um, early in the pandemic. Um, one was that it was an opportunity to really think about great change in the healthcare system in terms of um, rethinking just new directions. Um, and so for me, given the momentum I was seeing in the women's health startup space, um, I, I thought it was a great time um, uh, to move here. Um, it certainly is a, a difficult decision always to, to leave, uh, you know, journalism and publishing and, and all of that great stuff. Um, but surely those were invaluable experiences that I would use um, to go forward. I think one of the most interesting things about the Meredith experience actually was being able to sit in a room with uh, many folks that were running different verticals, all catered towards a female demographic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're thinking about the challenges of audience growth and retention and engagement with a group that's, that's actually thinking about uh, approaching the same exact audience segment, but for different needs, um, it's really exciting because you get to sort of have layered conversations versus having a variety mm -hmm. of verticals where you're sort of approaching very different markets by and large, you know, it, we were, were dealing with actually the core demographic of, of the privy woman, right? Sort of this adult woman, um, you know, 30, 65. 
Now, I know that you have rolled out uh, at Target recently, but many people might not know what exactly you've built. So uh, talk to me about the Privy product and kind of the significance of, of having it roll out commercially this fall. So Finesse uh, launched in 813 targets. I have our trial pack SKU here and behind me, um, some of our 36 and 12 pack SKUs. Um, it was really exciting. Sorry, go ahead. F Finesse is the, is the product and Privy the, the company, correct? Correct. So Finesse awesome. is our first product. Um, Finesse is a um, product that is the first of its kind in an entirely new category of clinical innovation in the incontinence market which is a $7 billion market or uh, cap in, in the US alone. 22 million women have uh, incontinence. Um, a, little, a little less than half of them probably have stressed urinary incontinence, which is what finesse deals with, a light to a moderate bladder leak. And so it's a one-time use product uh, where a woman places Finesse, which is a soft patch, directly on her urethra and a hydrogel adhesive, which is the same hydrogel that goes in contact lenses and other um, household items, sticks directly to her. So when she runs, she doesn't leak um, or cough or sneeze, which is the primary um, reason that someone would use Finesse for that, that use. This is not a product for overactive bladder. Although women who suffer from incontinence, um, usually onset by vaginal birth, have it the rest of their lives and it continues. Um, this is not really a secret to women uh, I speak with personally or professionally, actually. Uh, many, many times conversations end with a mother in her 40s uh, confessing to me she leaks and that she's excited to try finesse. Um, women are having these conversations, um, but until recently, until finesse hit shelves, the only options for women that were suffering from a light to a moderate leak was a, was a pad. And the two chief complaints of our women, we've been selling D2C for several years now, are bulk from those pads or odor and wetness as a result of it. And so they like the convenience of finesse because they can use it when they exercise, they don't leak, um, which brings me kind of to another important dimension of finesse, which is how does it work? Um, finesse isn't catching a leak at the opening of the urethra cavity. And so if we actually think for a minute about the bladder as being a whoopee cushion, Okay. And the urethra being here, and then there being that little sort of, you know, cavity, right, where the urine is going to pass through. The muscles around the urethra are what prevent a normal functioning bladder from not leaking. So okay. that doesn't happen when there's a lot of activity or that jumpoline, trampoline jumping is happening. But when those muscles get weakened, primarily from, from a vaginal birth experience, right, then some of that urine, a little bit of that urine can, can drop down. And so what finesse does is it acts like a wall. And so that urine comes down and bounces right back into the bladder cavity. Um, and so women oftentimes will say, I used finesse and I thought I leaked, but I didn't. And the truth is they didn't leak. Um, again, for a light to a moderate leak, um, but it is a, a product for a lifestyle circumstantial use, which we hope gives women um, more freedom. A lot of women ultimately end up resorting to surgeries um, just from the embarrassment and working out at a gym. Um, lots of women end up deciding not to work out as much publicly. Um, and on average, it takes about six years for a woman to confess this to her physician. So uh, we need to really break into the opportunity to talk to women about this and find ways to reach them to help them.
Mm. You used the word confess twice. I think it's very interesting that a woman would ha would feel the need to confess this to somebody uh, versus you know having open communication. And I wonder what's the role of education here? What's the role of just opening up lines of communication about women's health? Well, I think the first thing is is that women's health is in every person's issue. I think that when we look at other markets like balding hair for men, that, that has become an everyone's issue. It's not, it is a man's issue, but a woman certainly knows about the prevalence of balding hair for men. Uh, just in the same way, um, Privy, you know, its mission is being sort of this clinical uh, revolution in taboo women's health, you know, OTT solutions, is to make everyone aware make an everyone issue. And I think that the the wave that we're riding here is all of us in this women's health revolution are trying to shed a light um, on different segments of that. For us and our first product, it's the one in three. One in three women experience bladder leaks when they laugh, cough, run, or sneeze. Many women don't know that, although when they're told that, say, oh, well, all my friends have it. That makes sense. Men often are surprised. I was on the phone with uh, a husband recently of a woman who gave birth to their second child, and only after having the second child um, and you know having pregnancy at all did she confess to him that she leaked. She confessed because it's not very... Um, sexy, if you will, to have to talk about these things as a result of something so amazing as having a child and then returning to your sexual life and, and having uh, potentially something that may not impact you then, but certainly painful sex, dryness, all of these areas are areas of explosion. And so I think the first job is to start having this become an everyone's uh, conversation point. Everyone should know that one in three women leak. Everyone should know um, about all of these other subsets of issues that women have so that we can start to create more choice um, yeah. in the aisle and, frankly, in the world about, uh, about what, what is available to people who have um, any kind of medical issue. Yeah, and by breaking down these taboos, we open up opportunities for just living your life, just for going on that run, like you said, and jumping on the trampoline with your kids, going on, a, on an active walk. Um, what have you learned? Uh, I believe you rolled target uh, rolled out in Target this fall. What are some of the things you've learned being in the aisle at Target? I'm sure you get a lot of consumer data. So it's been really interesting. To back up for a second, Target discovered uh, Privy and Finesse in 2019, and that's really what accelerated um, our growth here in terms of, of movement into retail. Um, they, they brought us on the shelves because of a corporate mission to bring more choice. Um, to their core shopper, uh, who happens to be the finesse shopper uh, in the personal care aisle. And so we were invited onto shelves as an emerging brand, not because of sales traction. I mean, we're, we're doing almost a million in revenue to date, but still still humble compared to some of the brands that are on, on that, that aisle and on those shelves, but because of mission. Um, and because of just the huge opportunity that, that is ahead, you know, by 2025, you know, the incontinence market is, is estimated to double. Um, and surely there will be uh, ancillary benefits from just shedding a light, as you said, on these on these subjects, you know. Um, so while it's early days, um, we are seeing um, exciting signals uh, uh, from the movement. Um, a majority of the sales are coming in through the door, uh, which is really exciting to us. It's a pandemic uh, California is is it practically again in sort of a lockdown state outside of of in your household. So the fact that women are finding this product in a store uh, and and buying it in the store means that education is actually happening in that aisle, and that's really exciting because 
as someone who comes from the digital side and seeing the, the opportunity in our D2C business and the inroads already made there, um, I wasn't necessarily expecting this and certainly was thinking that we may have a, a very interesting digital approach to the education opportunity um, because of what we're seeing in the stores, we're actually in conversations right now to begin sort of more accelerated in-store promotions next year, just given the activity that we're seeing there and ways mm -hmm. to amplify the education in the moment, mm -hmm. right, for her. Um, the other interesting thing we've seen is that there's, so that's clearly a need, right? That, that's yeah. a need. But what also is interesting is that from retail, uh, just being in retail clearly has an impact on just all of the things that are going into that chief household consumer and however we talk about, you know, the women who's making the most buying decisions in our household, we are seeing our Amazon traffic uh, really go up and we're not really promoting that, right? We're, we're putting almost all of our effort into Target directly. So to yeah. see that, that also tells us that there's there's a couple of things happening. One is that, that women are hungry for a solution. Um, every SKU is moving, which means that, you know, we have trial pack adopters. That's clearly the hit, it's the gateway to the gateway with five of them. But we're starting to see, you know, even more pickup in 36 packs, which is really 30, you know, 36, 2499 that's for her she's really committed to this now for for at least a couple months um is is truly exciting and the second thing that that also means is that women are starting to really price navigate this as well and start to look at that um and just see where else it is um okay. with, so anyway not to go on too much longer but uh really exciting signals we've only received our first iri report which is the major report uh by which you know retailers benchmark themselves um you know, in the category of Nielsen and so forth. Um, so while it's early days, um, we're very excited and we're excited to be working with Target already on ways to amplify in 2021. Uh, just to turn, just to re repeat something you mentioned a second ago about education in the aisle. Um, I'm assuming that means you come to the, this particular aisle, you've got an issue, but you're not quite sure what you need. And the actual product offers you an opportunity to you know, to learn more about a solution. You don't necessarily come there looking for Privy because you might not know it exists. Like, where do you see the opportunities there growing in terms of the consumer experience becoming an educational experience? It's an interesting question. <clears throat> I think that one one thing for sure is, I mean, put yourself in in the place of a of a 35-year-old woman that just gave birth and, and is starting to leak a little bit and doesn't want to know what to do or the menopausal woman who's 55 um, and has been experiencing this for a while and has tired of just wearing pads. Um, and, you know, she goes into that aisle or more likely as a target guest, she's discovering, right? She's going in for some other need and she happens to get into that aisle. Yeah. And suddenly she sees a solution there that's nothing like she's ever seen before, right? And what we're starting to see is gravitation, right? And okay. so while stigma, uh, in these categories, these stigmatized taboo categories have what what I think until recently really created a convert, you know, a, a sort of wall to what we would call public conversation. Right. Women are having these dialogues in Facebook groups. They're having them among other mothers. Right. But they're not having them in broader places. And what we're now starting to see is, is that the first activation is not being not being afraid to try. So they're going and picking it up, right? Yeah. And then they're starting to retain. And so what I think that that means is women aren't afraid to really lean in to having a new option. 
And they're willing to stand in that aisle and, and look at that option and explore it. Maybe do a little price check to see, hey, is it selling anywhere else? Oh, it's selling on Amazon, which is what some women have told me they've done when they're in the aisle. And so suddenly you start to see, oh, this may not even be about price density. This is about her. Well, is it sold at my other favorite place? Could I get it in two days? Is Prime option available, right? And so what you're starting to see is just like any other household item, women are approaching this the way they would approach a Band-Aid. And that's exactly what we want. We want this to be everyone's issue. We want women to be able to go to the store, pick up some baby baby stuff, pick up some finesse, and go home. Yeah. Um, you're on the leading edge of trying to break down some stigmas in women's health and open up conversations. Where do you feel like that trend is going overall? If you look ahead to 2021 and beyond, uh, do you feel like in other areas of health and in women's health that that we're successfully moving the the ball down the field in this direction? Uh, do you see those those stigmas and those barriers coming down? Well, I, I see that one, the first job is to create noise, as as you and I have discussed before, uh, in terms of activating and, and talking, right? So that's the first job is to have all of us in this village of, of women's health activators uh, pushing forward, right, for this cause. In 10 years, um, I hope that we, we see a world that has even more privies in other subsections of women's health, whereas Branding and marketing are impactful and, and necessary, but at the end of the day, the core differentiator of these businesses is innovation uh, in clinical aspects of our life. When we see the movement now to home-based care and understanding that even more care will potentially be outside of Cilia, certainly in the entrepreneurial world, there's a lot of movement to that, a lot of investment in that, and understanding what's going on with the aging population from the baby boomers there's going to be a need for these, these clinical OTC solutions. Um, and so to me, uh, what's so amazing about Privy is that, you know, packaging really matters here. And I think that, you know, the, the goal here, and it's already working is, and Target helped us with this too, but it's just the simplisticness, everydayness um, of a household item, like a razor that you buy at the store and you go home with. Of course, privy and finesse is so much more than that. But in 10 years, what I hope is that we start to see consumer trust for clinical innovations that actually have safety and efficacy behind them, right? And that uh, women are, are retained customers because they're getting a key clinical benefit out of it, which is helping, in our case, to solve a lifestyle need. Um, and I hope that a lot of our consumerism in, in this space uh, lends itself, um, in fact, ultimately goes even more towards um, investing in these, these clinical realms, um, in, particularly in CPG, because ultimately women are going to drive uh, where the investment goes based on their purchasing decisions. So the fact that they are, as we would expect, interested, hungry, and ready to have solutions that meet their needs. I think that the future is going to be bright and I hope that Privy Sets uh, can be a part of that journey too. I'm excited to see what other markets in OTC health uh, start to become activated in years to come. Of course, Hims and Hers has already made a huge impact on this market and again, creating noise and shedding a light uh, for the rest of us to, to come through and try to create uh, subcategory um, revolutions. Nice. I think it's a nice note to end on. Uh, Evie, thanks, thanks for the time and for the update. This is, I know this is an exciting moment for Privy and for Finesse, and I'll be excited to hear kind of future reports 
whether it's with Target or direct-to-consumer with Amazon, kind of just how 2021 um, plays out. So thanks for taking the time for the update. Thanks again, Logan. And thanks again for all the support from Startup Health. We look forward to future conversations. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 330 companies, go to startuphealth.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.